You've heard me say it before, in your purpose lies your power. Everybody say, in my purpose lies my power. And what we mean by that is in your God-given purpose lies your greatest power from the Lord. You always find the Lord's power in life when you pursue your purpose, your God-given purpose, your big God-given purpose, or as we say, your BGP. In your great God-given purpose lies your great God-given power. And today, uh, I want to talk about one special thing that that means. The point of life is to trust your good and loving God and to live out that trust by fulfilling His good and loving purpose for your life. We have a job to do, and it's in doing that job that we demonstrate our trust in God's goodness and His loving nature toward us. His good and loving purpose in your life involves you being salt and light to the world. It involves you showing God's love and God's goodness and God's power to the world. And you are supposed to be salt and light to the world all the time, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, because you don't put a light under a bucket. You don't put a lamp under the bucket. You just let that sucker shine. And your good and loving purpose will involve some expression of being salt and light that is more or less unique to you. We are all salt and light generally, but you've got uh, a unique way that you do it as well, and, and that is your unique purpose from the Lord, your, your big God-giving purpose. It's some mode or manner in which you're especially designed to manifest salt and light in the world, to bring it uh, to the world. Now, I think trusting God and pursuing purpose in God makes for a rich and layered life. But living out his purpose for your life is the hardest thing to do in life. It's the hardest thing to do in the world because the culture of the world and the forces of chaos constantly come against you. So it's the most important thing in life and it's the hardest thing in life. We have to be up for it. And the fact is you're going to need help because it's, it's just a bit difficult. You're going to need help. How many feel like you need help from time to time? And in particular, you're, you're going to need God's help. And today I'm going to tell you how to get God's help in a big, big way uh, by asking him for it. But by asking him for it in a fashion that ensures you're going to get it. How does that sound? Too good to be true, you say? That's God's promise to us. Do you ever not ask for something because you lack confidence. Yeah? Think about it a second. You ever not ask for something because you lack confidence? If you had a lot of confidence, what's one thing that you would ask somebody for? Like, I don't know, this week or this month or something. If you had a lot of confidence, what's one thing that you would ask somebody something for? Who knows? A date. You know, I'm just going to leave that one alone. Just to bless your marriage and just kind of known you guys a long time. I'm just going to walk away. But I, but I, but I, know, I, know, I know where you're going with that. To ask for a date. Uh, often risk some rejection. How many of you would ask for a date uh, if you had more confidence? <laughs> S- 
some Sundays I feel like the Lord is with me. What else would you ask for if you had a lot of confidence? You'd ask for a trip to Australia. If you had a lot of confidence, you'd ask for us. Who would you ask? Me? I'm feeling manipulated today. How about somebody under the age of 18? What would you ask for? What do you ask somebody for if you just... Donald, yeah, what would you ask for, buddy? Go ahead. You'd ask for a car. How old are you? You're 15. It's a lot of confidence, my friend. <laughs> ask for a car at age 15. Excellent. All right. You ask for healing if you had a lot of confidence. Lovely. Yeah. Yeah. You'd ask for feedback if you had a lot of confidence. Eric is an artist, so I assume you're asking about feedback in creative processes and stuff like that. Maybe, maybe not. We don't. Um, what does it mean to ask in confidence? To know, to know you're loved. Donald, buddy, if you were going to ask for a car confidently, let me, let me see. Stand up and let me see some confidence. You're going to ask me for a car Jordan, can I have a car? I'm not feeling the confidence. Let's try again. All right, here we go. Jordan, can I have one, one more time, but with, but with boldness? There we go. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, just talk to anybody to your left, and I'm sure it'll be, I'm sure it'll be fine. Okay, here's the teaching point for the day. When we move in, when we move intensely, when we move committedly in God's purpose for our lives and our big God-given purpose, then we get to ask for whatever we need for that purpose, and we're guaranteed to get what we need. That's the Lord's promise to us. If we're moving in purpose, then we can ask for whatever we need to accomplish that purpose, and we surely will get it. That's God's promise to us. What about the other stuff that doesn't have to directly do with our purpose, directly do with, with being salt and light in the world? Well, that stuff gets taken care of almost automatically on the side. Jesus says, hey, don't worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to wear. Don't worry about where you're going to go, what you're going to do. Your heavenly Father knows that you need these things. So don't even worry about it. Don't even worry about those things, right? Just, just live diligently, and the Lord will take care of it. Seek first his kingdom, though. Seek his purpose, his kingdom job for you, and all these other things will be added to you as well. That's what Scripture says. In your purpose lies your power, and in your purpose lies your provision. In your purpose lies your ability to ask for help and provision successfully. I think that's the biblical truth uh, about the way that we live. Here's a, here's a scripture today in the back of your program uh, from John uh, 15. Uh, it's a, uh, a verse that uh, we've used a few time. I, times. I just love it. And it comes from a section of scripture in which Jesus is, is just sort of conversing with his 
his disciples, his closest co-workers, and he's explaining some things to them <clears throat> about the life of kingdom purpose. He says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Now, if you remain in me, and I in you, if we stay connected, then you will bear much fruit. And we know what fruit is. It's a common metaphor in the teachings of Jesus. You will have great effect, great and godly effect on the world around you, on people around you. Apart from me, though, you can do nothing. In other words, yeah, you're going to need my help. If you do not remain in me, well, then you're like a branch that's thrown away and withered. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. That's a little somber. If you remain in me, though, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Astounding promise. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples, showing yourselves to be my partners in all of this. Let's just kind of take it verse by verse. It's a short one. Uh, I'm the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in, I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Again, essential Jesus teaching. Your job, guys, is to bear fruit. Your job is to bear fruit. In other words, your relationship with me comes with purpose attached. Right? When, when you're plugged into me, when we're doing this thing as we ought, then you'll have things to produce, jobs to do, a mission in life. By John 15, by that point in the gospel story, these guys were probably clear on that. And I trust that we are clear in it, on it as well. Uh, apart from me, though, uh, you can do nothing. Uh, you're going to need a lot of help. Verse 6, if you do not reign in, remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. Paraphrase. But if we don't stay connected in such a way that you do your job that you produce fruit, then, you, then you're kind of not being alive. You're kind of like a branch that is withered. And frankly, guys, probably, probably better just to, you know, to end it. You, you've utterly missed the point. Such branches get thrown into the fire, Jesus says, which is an incredibly harsh thing to say. What does this remind you of? It reminds me of, uh, the way that Jesus opened the Sermon on the Mount. He said, look, you guys are the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. If salt loses its saltiness, in other words, if you are not completing your mission on earth, well, if salt loses its saltiness, it's good for nothing except to be thrown away and trampled by men. It's a very harsh thing to say. Very harsh. But Jesus is just driving home the point. To walk with God means to work with God in a purposeful, mission-oriented fashion. This is how trust gets expressed among his followers. He says it again and again and again, and he's revisiting it here. Be salt. Be fruitful. Be light. Or be nothing. Because you've missed the point. You've missed the point of life. And that's a, that's a tragic thing. Uh, but good news, uh, we pick it up in verse 7, if you remain in me and my words remain in you. What does that mean, my words remain in you? If my message remains in you, if my teachings obey, uh, remain in you, um, you know, if, if you do what I say, in other words, if you're honoring what I say, 
if, if you stick with me and you honor what I say, you fulfill my calling on your life, in other words, uh, if, you, if you do your job, then ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. I love the second clause in that verse. I love the part where we get to ask whatever we wish and it will be done for us. That, that does sound just a little too good to be true. I mean, whatever I wish, really? Because the Cubs are down. And uh, it would be a small miracle to see them win the series. Um, but no, this, if my words remain in you, if you honor what I say, in other words, if you are working toward purpose, believe me, I'll give you whatever you need just through you asking me. But you have to stay focused on the purpose. Right, you get it? That's, the, that's sort of the precondition. It's not that God doesn't give us good things even when we're off track. It's not that God doesn't give good things to everybody in the world, even those who, uh, who completely disown him. You know, life itself is a gift from God. So he's ridiculously generous. But there's this thing. If you are honoring my purpose for your life and working hard on your mission, then, then the floodgates open. Right? I mean, whatever, whatever you need, just ask. And when a guy like God says that to you, that's quite an invitation. What do we need to get what we, what do we need to do to get from God whatever we need? We just need to live a life of purpose and mission. We just need to be salt and light. He will always give us every tool to complete that mission. Jesus promises it. But I love it that Jesus rounds off this teaching with verse, verse 8. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. He doesn't just say, you know, because God is warm and fuzzy and he's eager to give you good things, although that would be a fine teaching. He explains why the universe works this way. He says, it's to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. God gets really, really excited and really pumped up when we bear fruit because that's kind of how he designed the world. God partners with us to get things done. He wants to see people restored to life. He wants to see people restored to relationship with him. He wants people to understand love and righteousness so they don't continue to just hurt each other and tear each other apart and commit great evil in the world. He wants us to become trustworthy so that we can enter into the next life. He wants this passionately, but the way he achieves it is by working through us, largely. And so he's super excited when we, when we do it. It's that important to him. And so when we do it, when we try to be salt and light, he just falls over himself to make sure that we have whatever we need. Whatever we ask, he'll provide it. Jesus provides the logic <clears throat> behind it, and, and I find it comforting. God has a great interest in resourcing you to succeed at your purpose. I'll say that again. God has a great interest in resourcing you to succeed at your purpose. Because that's how he's designed the world, and that's what he wants for the sake of everyone. Not just you, but everyone. He will resource you to succeed at your purpose, provide your, provided you're living and acting in accordance with your purpose, your BGP. In sum... We could sum that all up by saying, in your purpose lies your power. When you're living according to your purpose, you become a tremendously powerful asker. You get great authority 
in your asking. Like, you know, I'm, I need this for my mission. Done. Done. You know? Donald, you might not get a car. You might, you might not. But, but, I, but I bet uh, if you needed something for, I don't know, your schooling or something like that, that the people who love you would see that you get it no matter what. Right? Because right now that's a big part of your job, kind of getting through school, right? Even as parents, we understand that it works this way. Even as family in Ohana, we understand that it works this way. If you need something to do your purpose, and the people who love you will almost always figure out a way to get it to you. God loves you very much. And if you need something to fulfill your God-given job, your God-given purpose, he'll figure out a way to get it to you. This is pretty much guaranteed. Uh, teachings like this always raise for me uh, what I think is a real question, capital R, capital Q, uh, uh, which uh, in this case goes something like this. Okay, but why does my life seem so poor? Why does my life seem so scarce? I mean, God's going to resource me uh, to do my calling, but frankly, I don't feel all that well resourced in life. What's going on? Now, the answer to that question, I think, is almost by definition quite complete complex because there are many reasons that life could be challenging. Um, but one of the reasons that life might be challenging, one of the reasons you might experience not getting resources you need uh, is, is this. Perhaps God is trying to move you back toward your purpose. Right? So one of the reasons your prayers are not producing resources in the manner you hope might be because you're just really not pursuing your purpose first. You might be pursuing other things first uh, instead. Any of you ever read that portion of the Bible that we call the Old Testament? Anybody ever read that? Anybody ever, re ever read any of those stories that have to do with like ancient Israel and ancient Israel's relationship with God? Right? Anybody ever read those things? Go ahead. Give me a witness. You guys are so biblically literate. I'm so proud of you. T tell me if this seems true to you. God blessed Israel. Things went well for a while. And then Israel forgot its job. And then what happened? Then Israel got into trouble. Then there was famine, and there was war, and there was all sorts of destruction. And then someone would come along and remind Israel of its job and its purpose. Then what would happen? The famine would end, the resourcing would come, peace would prevail. And then what would happen? <laughs> then Israel would forget about its purpose and its job again and sink right back down into, uh, into the abyss again and again and again. Uh, just... Uh, just huge numbers of, of, of passages in the Old Testament that are about this. We have hundreds of years of history to sort of survey so that we can see it really clearly in the Old Testament stories. One of my favorite passages about this is, is Isaiah 58, which is a, a famous passage about justice and serving the poor. God says uh, to his people, you know, look, uh, essentially, to paraphrase, you know, you're, you're pretending to be all religious and stuff, but you're neglecting your mission to take care of people, particularly to take care of the poor, the most vulnerable people. If, if you would just do your job, then your 
light will rise like the noonday sun. That's my favorite line from that chapter. If you just do your job, you'd have everything you need. Why are you saying, oh, why is God against us? I'm not against you. I'm with you. Why aren't you with me? And it's, I think, out of those passages that Jesus says rather confidently, seek first his kingdom and everything else will be taken care of. It's in your purpose that your power lies. It's in your purpose that trust is manifest and relationship with God improves and deepens. Remember what you're about. Remember what you're about. You'll achieve great power, and in particular, you'll become a great and authoritative asker. Um, sometimes um, it's been in the, the scarce and low periods of my life uh, that I have uh, discovered God's resourcing best. Does anybody else resonate with that? Um, there was a time I talk about it a lot. I call it my, my Great Depression, sort of uh, late in, in grad school. I just, I just fell into a, you know, a, a tremendous depression, almost life-threatening depression. And then just like for a number of years, for five or six years there, it seemed like everything was going wrong in my life. Um, my, uh, my academic career didn't work out uh, the way that I, I thought it would work out. And uh, I... Uh, I eventually, I'd, I moved to, uh, to Boston for my postdoctoral work, and uh, the church that we got involved with sort of helped start and grow, um, had essentially shown me the door, invited me to leave due to some conflict I was having with leadership there. I felt rejected by uh, my career, felt rejected by my church, and I'd gotten a job with a software company, <clears throat> and with a, with a startup, and I worked very hard to build it up, and then uh, the president of that company at one point just sort of took all of the money in the accounts, and he left. He went on uh, vacation for a couple of months, leaving me without money to pay the other employees and the bills and stuff like that. And I worked very, very hard to get some new contracts um, and pulled, I don't know how many all-nighters to, to pull it off, and man, I was just hanging on to life by my fingernails. You ever gone through... Uh, a period like that. Everything, everything was hard. Everything was hard. And finally, I, got a, I scraped together a few contracts. They all happened to be in Manhattan. Uh, we were in Boston, but I was spending a lot of time traveling to Manhattan. And then some uh, planes uh, flew into the Twin Towers. And it was a tremendous tragedy on every level. Um, but it wiped out also our business, our contracts, <clears throat> as it did for many other companies. So in the middle of dealing with that, at the, end of, at the end of that week, I remember I was pulling another all-nighter in the office, and I, I was all alone in the building, and I just collapsed. I remember sitting on, on the step, and uh, I just thought, what? <laughs> you know, what? And I never forget this. One of the times in life where the Lord spoke to me very, very clearly, and he said, you've passed the test. Now you work for me for the rest of your life. What test? I didn't, I, didn't know there, I didn't know there was a test. I don't think God gives us tests like, you know, pass-fail, and if you screw up, you're dead, or something like that. But the Lord puts us through times of testing, times of refining, times of strengthening, times of scarcity, in order that we stay focused on our purpose. The smartest thing I ever did, and I've said this many times to you, the smartest thing I've ever did during my years of tremendous depression was I kept ministering. 
I kept planting. I never stopped that. And I think that was the test. And the Lord says, great, now from, from now on, you're not going to have to worry about career or job or anything. You're working directly for me. And since, since that time, it was soon thereafter, um, I left that job under wild circumstances. But um, from that time on, I, I've never held a regular job. I've just, the Lord has just provided, sometimes through paid ministry gigs. There have been uh, great stretches in, in our lives where Sony and I have just sort of seen provision, just kind of miraculously, money in the mailbox, that sort of thing. Um, and I've learned that the Lord is a provider, and I've learned that purpose is the way through, that staying through to your job is the way through. Seek first his kingdom, and all else will be added to you. That said, the scriptures do lead us to anticipate a challenging life, not an impossible one, but a challenging one, and not a non-fruitful one, but a very fruitful one. But yes, challenges will come, chaos will attack, and the effects will be real. Life is not a training exercise. Life is life and death. It is, it is a hard battle oftentimes. But we can overcome for sure, provided we stay true to our purpose. It's when we forget our purpose that all hell breaks loose. It's when we forget our purpose that we lose authority for everything and we fall into the pits of life, and we ask, God, why don't you give me this? Why don't you give me that? And I believe the answer of the Lord is often, I will. Now get back to your purpose, because that's where life is. That's how this works. It's hard for me to really open the floodgates unless you're doing your job, not because I don't love you, but because this is the way life is designed. This is the way I provide for you. Get on it, and then the world will see how it works. I want the world, I want everyone in the world to know their purpose. So it's when you pursue your purpose that I can provide for you in amazing ways. That's when you get to ask with great authority. A common mistake in life is to say, well, once I have everything I want and need, then I can pursue my purpose. <laughs> pursue your purpose first, and then you'll have at least everything you need. Not sure you'll get the car right away, but, you know you'll certainly be able to get by and to get through. How to ask like a boss. When we ask God for things, we should ask like a boss. Not the boss of God, but we should ask with confidence and authority. If you're the boss of a place and you ask somebody to do something, it's not like you wrestle with doubt about whether they'll do it, right? You have some reason to be assured uh, that you're going to get... So not asking arrogantly, but asking confidently. How to ask like a boss? Well, recognize that it's your purpose that gives you authority. It's your obedience that gives you authority to ask. My favorite story uh, about this comes from Matthew chapter 8. It's the story of uh, the centurion who has great faith. You know this story? Uh, when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him. Now, a centurion was a Roman a soldier, a commander, uh, a ranking officer in the Roman army. And the Romans were an alien occupying force in Israel right now. Everybody hated the Romans. Every Jew hated the Romans. But a Roman commander, no less, came to Jesus uh, asking for help. He needed help. 
Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed, suffering terribly. And Jesus said to him, shall I come and heal him? The centurion replied, Lord, I don't deserve to have you come under my roof. I am a dirty Roman after all, I understand. But just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes, and that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. I think it's done. So Jesus, just give a command, and I believe it will get done. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed and said to those following him, Truly I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. And it strikes me that Jesus calls the centurion's attitude faith. What has the centurion displayed here? I think he's displayed a knowledge, uh, an understanding that obedience brings authority. You know, he says, I, I'm a Roman commander. I am under authority, is how he starts. Because I am properly under authority, I have no doubt that those that I command should respond to my authority. You, Jesus, I recognize are also under authority. Whose authority is Jesus under? Well, God's, right? Father God's. Um, and so I recognize, Jesus, that when you give orders, when you make requests, they get done as well. And there's a principle here for our lives. If you are under God's authority, if you are moving in God's army, if you are following the purpose that God gives you, then what you ask for gets done. Somehow, some way, it's going to get done. Now, is there an arrogant attitude? I think it's a humble attitude. I think it's just an attitude that recognizes how authority works. If you are under authority properly, then you can ask for authority for sure and be really confident as to the outcome. Everybody following? Hebrews 4 says, Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Grace is God's radical generosity. When you ask, ask confidently. You know who you are. You know what you're about. If you're about it, nothing but confidence in our lives, nothing but confidence in our prayers. Amen? Following me? Last week, I confidently asked you to write down one way in which you would plant a seed this week. Do you remember? How many of you wrote something down? How many of you did it? Raise your hand. Raise your hand high. Let's keep it up there for a second. These guys actually followed through. Keep your hand up. Everybody give them, give them cheers. High fives all around. You planted a seed. Uh, great. Um, this week, homework assignment. We'll do it right now, in fact. Think about anything you need to move forward in your purpose in life. And if you don't know your big God-given purpose, just think about something that you need. You need from God in order to be salt and light in the world around you. What do you need? Write it down. Write it down on the bulletin, write it down on your smartphone. Write it down. Now here's one better. Can you think of something you need this week? 
to be salt and light as you should. Something this week. If you can, write that down. Now, the reason we do exercises like this, because Jesus says, well, you have, you know, you have to ask. Scripture says you have not because you ask not. But, but there's, there's another reason as well. It's because sometimes we don't do our job because we know we don't have what we need to do it. What's the solution? Ask. A failure to ask should never be the barrier that defeats you. You have to ask. Now let's just make this covenant together, shall we? Can we do this? Sort of bring our hearts together on this one? If the Lord provides the thing you ask for, you're going to follow through on it, right? And then you're going to have a great 90-second testimony to share, aren't you? Okay? So that's the deal. And if it works out that way, you know what will have happened? Your relationship with God will have deepened and enriched. You'll be that much closer to Him because you've had a conversation. You've had an interaction. And He has empowered you in the purpose for which He has designed you, and you will believe it more deeply. This is an engine for intimacy with the Lord, among other things. This is the most basic interaction of the disciples of Jesus, the most basic interaction with God. This is how it works. So I consider it sacred. I consider it a big deal for us disciples. Everybody got it? Everybody clap on the count of three. One, two, three. All right, scene, cut. Uh, what I'd like to do to uh, end this service is just encourage uh, some asking. And you talk about asking God for things. You know, if you're like me, uh, you, you might feel the pressure of past disappointments and, you know, history of, of scarcity. You might come up against, you know, a raw lack of faith or something like that. So let's just, let's just pause here at the end and have an honest moment. How many of you find it difficult to ask God for what you need? How many of you find it difficult to go forward confidently to the throne of grace and just to say, hey, God, I need this? You know, take a moment and deal with the Lord on that. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would come and fall on the assembly uh, because this is where it gets real in this most basic interaction with God. This is where it gets real. This is where our hearts carry the wounds. We experience challenges. We experience chaos. Sometimes even when the Lord provides, your partners in life, your co-travelers can let you down. People can disappoint you and screw things up and rob you of fruitfulness. It, it happens. It happens. Because we don't go through life alone. And those disappointments in, with people can sometimes translate into disappointment with God. I know, I know. But you got to ask like a boss. If you're not willing to make the ask, then you're not willing to live the life. 
And Father, I pray that this week you would make us rich in opportunities to fulfill our purpose of being salt and light. I pray that you'd give us opportunities for conversations, opportunities for healings, opportunities for godly kindnesses, opportunities for affirmations at work to get people back online with their identity in the Lord. Opportunities to speak peace when others come in fear. Opportunities to be confident in calling when the people around us are not even confident in their provision. Raise us up, Lord, in authority and assurance. And may we all seek your kingdom first. In Jesus' name, everybody says, Amen. Amen.